Welcome to Holistic History, The Quest for King Arthur. My name is Jim Frost, and this is Episode 5. As I said in Episode 4, I am going to take a close look at the Battle of Baden Hill, Arthur's greatest victory. I am going to start with the Anglo-Saxons. Under the date 827 in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, there is a list of their high kings, whom they called Bretfaldas. Bretfalda means either wide ruler or Britain ruler, and this is the first written use of the term, so we don't know if it goes back to the 5th and 6th centuries. Ali of Sussex is named as the first Bretfalda. We don't have very much information on Ali. According to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, he arrived in Britain in 477 with three shiploads of followers, and proceeded to win a victory over the Britons and to establish the Kingdom of Sussex. There are two other entries recording a victory in 485 and another in 491. Both of these were against the Britons. Then he just drops out of the accounts, so we have no idea how he became the High King. He is also the only King of Sussex to be recognized as Bretwalda, so his reign marked the peak of its power. Since he drops out of the sources in the 490s and the Battle of Baden Hill was fought sometime around the year 500, it has been speculated that he may have been at the battle. I believe this should not be speculation, but a firm conclusion. According to the Cambrian Annals, Baden lasted for three days. The longer the battle, the larger the armies involved. No single kingdom on either side could have fielded an army large enough to fight a multiple-day battle, so we are automatically looking at more than one kingdom on both sides. An allied army needed a commander-in-chief. Neither the Britons nor the Anglo-Saxons separated political and military power. A general was automatically a king, and a king was automatically a general. The only exception was when a king's son stood in as his proxy. So the commander-in-chief of an allied army had to give orders to at least one other king, and only a high king could have given orders to a king. So an allied army was automatically commanded by a high king. Baden must have been a showdown between two high kings, Arthur and Ali. This is why it was such a significant victory for the Britons. They did not just defeat the army of one Anglo-Saxon kingdom, but more than one. Unfortunately, there is absolutely no way of knowing how many. By the 490s, the Anglo-Saxons had four significant kingdoms, Sussex, Kent, Essex, and East Anglia, plus an unknown number of tiny kingdoms, including Lincolnshire, Middlesex, and the Isle of Wight. Unfortunately, the sources only say the Saxons were defeated, without mentioning any kingdoms. According to Welsh sources, Baden was Bath, with Baden Hill being Salisbury Hill. We have no evidence as to what the Anglo-Saxons would have been doing that far west, but I believe that Ali wanted a showdown with Arthur. Bath is in Somerset. Arthur is said to have been born in Cornwall. Assuming that to have been true, then Arthur would have been king of Dumnonia, which was Cornwall, Devon, Dorset, and Somerset. These four counties form a peninsula in southwestern Britain. So Ali would have attacked Arthur's home kingdom. We have only one source to give us information on the course of the battle. Unfortunately, that source is very unreliable. It is The History of the Kings of Britain by Geoffrey of Monmouth, which was written sometime around the year 1136. Geoffrey was a storyteller who passed himself off as an historian. Most of his book is pure fiction. On the other hand, every once in a while, he did tell the truth. I believe his account of Baden is genuine. One of the reasons I believe this is because it's garbled. It looks like he transferred poetry to prose. If it had been made up, it would probably have made more sense. Geoffrey followed the usual Welsh practice of referring to the enemy as the Saxons rather than the Anglo-Saxons. He said they arrived in the area by boat. The Anglo-Saxons had complete naval superiority and could sail pretty much anywhere they wanted to. Geoffrey said they devastated the region and then marched to Bath and laid siege to the town. They actually would have laid, laid siege to the fort on top of the hill just outside the town. This would be why Gildas called it the Siege of Mount Baden. Arthur and his field army are said to have arrived on the second day, turning the siege into a battle. 
The Britons drew up in companies, while the Saxons drew up in their usual wedge formation. This is clearly a reference to the Swinehead, a very popular formation among Germanic peoples for hundreds of years. The Vikings called it the Swine Array or the Boar Snout, and believed that it had been invented by Odin himself. What little Geoffrey knew about warfare pertained to war in his own day, the 12th century, but by then the Swinehead had fallen out of use. Armies using this formation drew up in a number of Swineheads, with two men in the front rank, three men in the second rank, five men in the third rank, and so on. Malay men were in the front and flanks for hand-to-hand -hand fighting, while missile men were in the center and rear. Missiles among the Anglo-Saxons were mainly slings and spears, as they saw the bow as a coward's weapon. Geoffrey said the Britons attacked and the Saxons defended, but that makes no sense, as all wedge formations were offensive, not defensive. He recorded no details about the course of the battle, but said that towards sunset the Saxons redeployed to the hillside. This was the first time he mentioned the hill. The account of the fighting on the last day is very confused. Arthur and his men charged up the hill with the Saxons charging down. Arthur reached the summit while the Saxons drew up shoulder to shoulder. Then Arthur went berserk and single-handedly killed 470 Saxons. His men then followed and slew thousands more. Here is my reconstruction. When Arthur and the field army arrived on the second day, the Anglo-Saxons deployed at the base of the hill so as not to be caught between the field army and the garrison in the fort at the summit. The Anglo-Saxons got the worst of the fighting on the first day and redeployed on the side of the hill, gaining the high ground and hoping that the garrison would not attack. So on the second day, even with the greater momentum they gained while charging down the hill, it did not turn the tide in their favor. Taking advantage of a lull on the fighting, they changed their formation and drew up into a shield wall, that is, standing to shoulder to shoulder, as Geoffrey described, with their large round shields overlapping. The Britons would have launched several attacks at different points along the wall to weaken it. Once Arthur judged that it was weakened enough, he would have gathered his strongest units together to attack the weakest point of the line. If the line had held, the Britons would have been too tired to try again, and the Anglo-Saxons could have escaped. It did not hold it broke. Only the wealthiest men had armor. The men in the rear ranks had no armor and would have been sitting ducks, especially against the Britain's horsemen, who were their elite. The Anglo-Saxons all fought on foot, so only their armored warriors could have stood up to the Britain's cavalry. As for Arthur killing 470 of the enemy single-handed, this is just typical exaggeration. Ancient and medieval sources often exaggerated numbers in accounts of military actions in order to glorify their own side or the prowess of their own heroes. This is all that I am prepared to say about the Baden given the limited amount of information. Please join me for episode 6 when I will look at the two battles Arthur is said to have lost, Portsmouth and the Field of Camlin. This has been Holistic History, the Quest for King Arthur. My name is Jim Frost. Until next time, I hope you have a great day.